Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Well, hey, good morning, ACF. How are you guys doing? You're here. Thanks for coming today. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm glad to be back. Excited to be back with you this week and uh, just be sharing with you in this series. We also want to give a huge welcome to all of our friends online. Can we thank them for being with us today? Love that. Encourage you to stay connected with us. If you're out of town, if you're gone, if you're homesick with some kids, uh, tune in online, watch and uh, stay up to date with us if you can. But before we get into the message this morning, I want to share a little bit about a trip we went on recently. I went and visited some Alaska bush villages, and uh, we as ACF are considering doing some work in these villages. So we took some footage and uh, and got some videotape. (laughs) Is it working? Is it working now? Check, check, check. Are you serious? Oh. <laughs> I think you're messing with me now. So, okay. So, anyway, we've got this video. If you guys would play that clip real quick um, from the trip. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the next one down. Hello. Welcome to ACF. My name is Mallory, and this is what's happening. Yeah, it's the next one. Nope. <laughs> I'm just going to give you a second there. All about grace. All right, you can relax. Some of you, that was the most silence you have had all week long. You're like, Brian, just keep doing that. Let's just sit in the silence. Uh, there is tension in many relationships. Uh, and maybe, maybe you found yourself this week even in a tense relationship. And so this whole series has been about 
How do we deal with the tension? What do we do with the tension? The first week, uh, we started off with this idea that we can actually uh, delight in people who are different than us. We can actually delight in messy people who disagree with us, which is, I think, a novel idea in the world we live in today, that you can actually enjoy and accept somebody who disagrees with you. We talked specifically about politics a little bit because that is, uh, is sort of the catalyst for a lot of relational tension right now. Uh, some of you have lost friends already during this election, and uh, you're wondering what life's going to look like on November 9th and how, uh, how things are going to be different. And, uh, and, and maybe in your past then, the past few months, and even this past year, you're going to have sort of a wake of uh, broken relationships, and uh, you're going to have to figure out what to do with that. How do we move on in that? And so uh, the next week, uh, Angela spoke last week. She did a great job, didn't she? Uh, just so grateful for her filling in and, and uh, sharing the word last week. And so she challenged us to know who our enemy is that uh, some of the most painful wounds in our lives will come from those we love the most, those, those people we trust the most. And that's why it hurts so much, right? Because we trusted them with our hearts, and then they hurt us, and then we don't know how to deal with it. And so she challenged us to know who our enemy is, that we wouldn't participate in friendly fire. We'd make sure that we know who the enemy is and uh, that we would be shooting the right direction when it comes to dealing with conflict. This week, I'm going to talk about what it means to have a clean fight. Uh, I'm going to talk about actually fighting well, because it's, I think this is important to talk about in the church. Maybe you're um, challenged by that idea. You think, well, as a pastor, shouldn't you be getting up there telling us not to fight? Just don't fight. Be happy. Smile at everybody. You know, love every. I mean, it's like to love people seems to mean for a lot of people that you don't disagree with them which uh, I, don't, I don't believe in. I think the truth is uh, we need to be able to love people and simultaneously disagree with them and even lean in and have arguments, but have them well. And see, Jesus, he knew how to do this beautifully. He had this ability to love somebody in their mistakes and in their messes, and, and he knew when to lean in, and he knew how to say, hey, go and sin no more. This, what you're doing, is hurting you, and he also knew how to accept them in their messes, and he was constantly ridiculed for that because he would hang around people that were still in their messes. Like, Jesus didn't wait for them to get better to go spend time with them. He wasn't like, hey, once you clean yourself up, once you stop doing these specific behaviors, then we can have a relationship. But until then, no, don't want any part of it. And so he goes and he hangs out with, like, Matthew, the tax collectors. You know, he's, and, and people were judging Jesus. He's like, Jesus, don't you know this guy's a thief? Don't you know he's a sinner? And Jesus is like, yeah, I know stuff that you don't even know about this guy. You know, like, I know everything about him. I know what he did yesterday. I know what he did years ago. I know what he's thinking right now. And I know what he's going to do tomorrow. And yet we're buddies. We're going to hang out. We're going to spend some time together. And I'm going to influence him for the better. He hangs out with the prostitute. And he knows how to, how to say, like, hey, go and sin no more. But he has this relational way of dealing with people who are different, people who are broken, and he was constantly ridiculed because people expected that Jesus needed to, to convict them of their sin and get them fixed up before he could spend time with them. And this is challenging for us because there's some battles we need to fight. And we need to lean into these relationships. But sometimes, you know what? Uh, you're not going to be able to change people. Sometimes people are going to continue in certain thoughts and behavioral patterns. And you're going to have to make a decision between being right and being in a relationship. And that's a hard decision to make, isn't it? Like, I would like for you to agree with me, for you to be on the same page with me, for us to, to be on the same level before we get back into this relationship. But for some people, that's not an option. 
And you're like, okay, so do I do this with everybody? Like, what are you saying here? Listen, I know there's people in your life that um, maybe you had a relationship with, and now they're gone, and you're a little bit like good riddance, you know? And, and honestly, you don't need to lean back into that relationship with, you know, the lady at the DMV office that ticked you off 10 years ago. You know, like, it doesn't matter. It's fine. You know, she, she got fired anyway, so it's gone. You know, or, or whoever that was, that, that coworker that drove everybody crazy, and then finally he was fired, and everybody had a little party, right? Because you're like, okay, we don't have this, 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 this mess in our, in our relationships here. And so some, some people, you know, it, it doesn't mean you need to lean into all relationships, but there are also those people that you need to lean into, those, those family members, right? Your dad's always going to be your dad. Your mom's always going to be your mom. Your sister's always going to be your sister. That friend that you grew up with, you have a history with them that you can't ignore, even though maybe you'd like to and you're like, maybe they're sort of dead to you at this point because of what they did or what they said. You know that part of you is still hurting because that relationship is broken. And when you think of them and when you see them, you mourn a little bit in your heart that it's not better than it is. So there are those people in our lives that I want to challenge you today are worth the fight. Some people are worth fighting for, fighting with, so that you can actually bring some resolve to a broken relationship. So that means learning how to fight, doesn't it? You know people who fight dirty. You know people who don't know how to fight. We need to learn how to fight well. And I know in my life I've had some broken relationships. Um, I'd love to say that uh, I'm in a perfect relationship with everybody. I'm not. Um, throughout my life, I, I've had situations with people that I care a lot about that have gotten messy and broken. And uh, in fact, I'll just share a little bit of my story. Back when I first got married, uh, my wife and I, we moved to Colorado. And uh, I started working with a guy that was a close family friend. Um, his oldest son and I had grown up, gone to school together, um, spent a lot of time with that family, been mentored by uh, my buddy's dad, who is who was uh, then offering me a job in Colorado. So he's like, hey, do you want to move to Colorado and work with me? And, and so I knew this guy really well, definitely a mentor, somebody I really respected. And this was a great opportunity. So I moved to Colorado, and, uh, and it and worked out really good for a long time. Really enjoyed our relationship. I was learning a lot, growing. And then over the time, as time went by, I saw sort of some differences growing in our relationship that our perspectives on how things should be done were changing, that our relationship was growing farther and farther apart. And you know what that's like. Sometimes it's not one thing that somebody says. Sometimes it's a lot of things. And it's this, this growing pile of, you know, undealt with wounds in the corner that you just don't want to deal with it that slowly brings distance in the relationship. And so as the years went on, we had more and more differences, and I had more frustration with him, and, and, and I didn't deal with my frustration well. I, instead of actually leaning in and having good conversations, I like to spe- uh, send emails, which emails are real healthy conflict resolution. Um, so I send emails, just, this is so easy just to blast somebody from your computer screen and shut the screen and be done with it, right? You don't actually have to have a conversation and so I just would blast my opinions at him, and we'd go back and forth, and it was just getting tense. And so I took a little time off and uh, went on a vacation, spent some time at our family cabin, and uh, did, did some praying, did some thinking, felt really convicted while I was away that I had not submitted to his leadership well. In fact, some of you know how this feels when you want to work with family uh, or, or close friends, that sometimes the relationship makes it really awkward, right? Because you got this like relationship outside of your working relationship, and, and it changes things. It makes it weird. And so I was like, man, I haven't been respecting him as a leader and his authority. And so I came back, and um, I get back into the office on a Monday, 
And, uh, and, I, and I walk by his office, and he's like, hey, come, come talk to me before you do too much work today. So I, I go sit down with him, and I said, hey, listen, before we say anything, I just want to apologize. Um, I feel like I've missed the boat. I feel like I have gotten, uh, become obsessed with my agenda and my issues and lost perspective a long time ago. And I haven't dealt with my frustration really well, and so I want to apologize for that and say that I, I, think, it's, I think it's time for some changes in my life. And he said, well, I, I'm glad to hear you say that uh, because you no longer work here. <laughs> and uh, the frustration and the anger and um, it just started barreling out of control inside of me. So I walked out of the office. I remember tears in my eyes. I sat down in the car. I'm just, I'm angry and I'm hurt. I mean, this is a man I love and I deeply respect and, and I just got fired. And so I called my wife, Amanda, who happened to be six months pregnant at this point, not a convenient time to get laid off. And, and I said, hey, babes, I don't know how to tell you this, but I just got fired and we don't, we don't have any income right now. And so she, she's like, hey, honey, you know what? The frustration's been there for a long time. You guys haven't been working well together. This is a good thing. It's a good thing, you know? And she told me later, she got off the phone and just erupted in tears like, all of a sudden, what does this mean? And the fear and the frustration and, you know, all of those emotions start to come up. You know, one minute you're happy, the next minute you're sad. And, and everything in me wanted to just be like, you know what, buddy? Just get out of my life. You know what? I don't need you in my world. Just, just stay out of my life. I'm just going to go on and I'll fix this. Everything in me wanted to do that. And so the next weeks went by and, you know, I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm looking for work. Um, and then I got an opportunity for a job. And so um, this, this decision was, was coming. What was I going to do? Was I just going to leave? Was I just going to leave this relationship and act like it never existed and, and have all this stuff in my heart? And so at the last minute, I, I called him and I was like, hey, uh, I'm leaving town. Could we get together for dessert? I think I did dessert. I was like, it's not dinner. Dinner's kind of long. Dessert's short. Right? It can be like 20 minutes. We can do dinner, dessert and we'll be, be done. And so um, him and his wife show up at our house and ding dong, you know, open the door and they've got like pie, right? And, and it's like, yeah, super awkward and nobody knows what to say. And they sit down and we talk about the weather and all, all this and that, trying to, how do you launch into this whole, like, I kind of hate your guts right now. Like, how do I start this conversation? And, uh, and finally, we get to the point where we start dealing with what happened, dealing with what went down. And there were a lot of tears and uh, there were a lot of apologies and, and I'd be lying if I said that we both walked out of that conversation feeling like everything was 100% better. Like everybody said exactly what they should have said, apologized for everything they wanted them to apologize for. No, that wasn't the case. This was just the beginning of the healing process. It was just the first conversation that made space for us to then have more conversations and more phone calls and, and more checking in with each other. And so there has been a ton of healing in that relationship over the years, and I'm grateful for it. But I don't think it would have ever happened had I just left town. And, and here's the thing. Could I live life without that relationship? Certainly. But I think I'm better with it. And I think he is too. And I would say this, you have a relationship today that you are better with. You have a relationship today, attention with somebody in your life that maybe you want to write them off and act like it's not there, but you need to lean in and have a clean fight with them. And, and the, so there's good tension, there's bad tension, isn't there? There's good tension. Some of you, you hate tension with all your heart. 
Like that, that video, you were like, I just want to get out of here. I don't even want to be around right now. This is so uncomfortable. You know, when somebody says something uncomfortable around the dinner table, you just want to leave, right? And others of you, you love the tension. Be honest. You're already thinking about that, that political grenade you're going to toss out at Thanksgiving dinner, like just right next to the turkey. It's just, we're going to talk about health care. We're going to talk about the Alaska PFD. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but it's just going to get awesome around the dinner table. I mean, you're already thinking about it. There is a way, I believe, to appreciate the tension without becoming obsessed with it. Like, some people love to fight, but other people appreciate the fight. And that's what I want us to be, is people who appreciate the fight, because we need tension in our lives. It's a little like a guitar string. So I play the guitar, and and one thing I know about guitars is if you don't put some tension on the string, it's always out of tune. Some of you are living lives that are really out of tune. You're lacking some purpose. You're lacking vision in your life. And you're lacking it because you don't have relationships with people who will create some tension in your life, some healthy tension, people who will say the things that you need to hear. Like, hey, buddy, it's time to get off of World of Warcraft and go get a job. Like, it's, some of us need to hear that sometimes. And that's a loving friend that's willing to say, dude, come on, just get out of your house. Time to go do so. Let's go enjoy this beautiful place we live in. Let's get out and enjoy it. But at some point, you keep turning up the tension and things will snap, right? There is a bad tension, an unhealthy tension. And if you want to open up the book of James, there's a, there's a passage in James chapter 4 that talks about bad tension. It says, verse 1, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. So I would say two specific things the Bible talks about that that bring up a bad tension in relationships. The first is selfishness. That's specifically what this is talking about. Like you want things, you want to accomplish things or do things or get things, and you do them to the point of breaking relationships. It's all about you. It's all about what you want. You know, he says you, you have and you desire and you do not have, so you murder, which I I always kind of skip by that because I'm like, oh, I'm sure it's a metaphor. I don't think it was a metaphor. I think there were people who were like, hey, I want your car, you know, you know, no guns. But anyway, like, hey, they, they were killing people to get what they wanted to. And so selfishness, I think, can break relationships. Proverbs 13, 10 says, where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. And so Again, pride and selfishness, two things that will destroy your relationships, two things that will cause a negative, unhealthy tension in your relationships. But there is good tension, and if you have a pen, I want you to write this down. Good tension is when the right people fight the right battles the right way. Good tension is when the right people fight the right battles the right way. So I want to parse this out a little bit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 2 says this. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So Paul is telling them, hey, people have burdens, you need to bear them. You need to carry each other's burdens. And then it says in verse 5, for each will have to bear his own load. Bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, for each will have to bear his own load. And so Paul draws a distinction between burdens and loads. And I've heard it described like this before, like your load is like a backpack, Like everybody in this room, you have a backpack to wear. And this backpack is filled with all the things that you should be carrying in your life. It's it's like, so you bought a house, you got a mortgage. 
You've got to pay that mortgage. That's your, that's your load. You've got, you got to bear that. You have kids. Guess who gets to be the parent? You do, right? You're the parent. You should parent your kids. You've got, a, you got a, a test on Friday because you're going to school. Who's going to study for the test? You are, right? It's your load to bear. We all have a load that we bear. And a load is a, it's a bearable weight. It's something that we all have to carry. But then there's a burden, and a burden would be more like a boulder on your back. It's like maybe normally your neighbor can shovel their driveway, but they just got diagnosed with cancer. And they're really struggling right now. And so you're going to go over there and you're going to shovel their driveway all winter long, right? Because you know that they're struggling right now. It's like that, that friend that, you know, is dealing with some, some depression in their life. And, you know, typically um, they could do their job a little bit better, but you're going to actually help them with their job. You know, typically it's their load, but because of the circumstances in their life, it's become a burden. And here's why this is so important. I see a lot of people neglecting to carry other people's burdens, but carrying their loads. You see, it's a problem when we carry each other's loads and not their burdens. And and here's how this feels. This is like the brother-in-law that calls you every Friday to to borrow 20 bucks, right? And, And so you just started this routine years and years ago, and now you bitterly give him money every single week, and you're like, why am I doing this? And 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 at some point you're like, he's not even looking for a job. He's not even thinking about it. I'm just bailing him out over and over again. It's like as parents, you get this, right? You're at the kitchen sink and you're scrubbing all the dishes. You're like, Why do I got to do all these dishes? And then your kids are over there you know, playing their, their Xbox or whatever. And you're like, wait a minute. You guys can do, you have arms and legs. You guys can do dishes. And this happens to me all the time as a parent where I find myself you know, not carrying people's burdens but carrying their loads. My kids can do their dishes. What happens is bitterness starts to well up in the heart of somebody who's carrying somebody else's load. And that's how you know it. And, and maybe, it's, maybe it's your own attitude, and we got to diagnose that because sometimes maybe it's just us. But we got to make sure that we're not carrying each other's loads, but we are carrying each other's burdens. So good tension happens when the right people. So the first question when it comes to tension in a relationship or tension that's happening around you is to ask yourself, like, am I the right person for this? Should I be involved with this? Does this have anything to do with me? It needs to be the right people. The next thing is that the, it's the right people fight the right battles. This is the next part that's really important. Is that you fight the right battles. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Okay, so good tension is when the right people fight the right battles. This is so key. This is so key. Have you ever found yourself in an argument with somebody over the stupidest thing? And you got done and you're like, we just fought for four hours about how you changed the radio station in the car. Like, does this really matter to our lives? Sometimes we fight and we get all riled up and and upset about something that in the end doesn't really matter. And that's a bad tension. You know, maybe it's just a habit they have. Why do you keep making that noise with your lips? It drives me crazy. Maybe it's just a preference thing. You know, they like this, you like that. And you end up in this deep, entrenched battle over something that doesn't really matter. You know, here comes the holiday season. Everybody's going to be upset about putting Christ back in Christmas. You see all the, the Facebook video, you know, like memes and things like that about how, you know, Christmas is about Jesus. And we know, you know, I get it. 
But is that the battle that's going to change your neighbor's heart? Like, is that really going to change our city if you get them to call it Christmas and not, like, I just, I wonder if we've lost it on knowing how to choose what's a battle that's worth fighting and what isn't, knowing to fight the right battles. He says, what causes quarrels among you is when you fight about things that are ignorant controversies. Maybe that's a good question to ask yourself. Is this an ignorant controversy? Is this something that doesn't really matter? Don't ask your spouse that. But ask yourself that. Is this an ignorant controversy? I'm going to set you up to win here, folks. So, um, so good tension is when the right people fight the right battles. The last part is the right way. You guys know this is important, right? Fighting the right way will set you up to win or fail when it comes to dealing with conflict. Continuing on in 2 Timothy verse Uh, Chapter 2, verse 24 says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Okay, so lots going on there. He says, you need to be able to approach people with gentleness. Like the way that you talk about a problem will change how people receive it, right? I mean, have you ever said all the right things the wrong way and seen it become a, a total mess? And you, you had, you had a, a leg to stand on, but since you rolled in all ticked off and angry, they didn't receive any of it. I mean, you watched their eyes literally glaze over with anger. As you're speaking to them, they are not hearing a word of what you're saying because you didn't approach them with gentleness. So he says, you need to be not quarrelsome, not the kind of person that fights about things that don't really matter in the end, but somebody that corrects his opponents with gentleness. So you already know you're the right person. You already know that it's the right battle. It's something that I should definitely stand up for. This is a systematic, deep issue that's going to either make or break our relationship. It's something worth fighting for or fighting for them. And then you lean in and you do it with gentleness. And then here's, this is such a key thing. It says, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance. You know that you can't change their hearts, right? You know that that's God's job. And this is saying, hey, you say what God calls you to say, but only God can change the heart. And so you do what you're called to do, and then you let God do what he's going to do. And don't, don't assume the role of God in changing other people's hearts. You're going to get frustrated. That's not your job anyway. And then I love that it says this patiently enduring evil. That's a challenge, isn't it? I mean, and maybe you're thinking, Brian, aren't we supposed to, you know, destroy evil, you know, kill evil? Aren't we supposed to just, you know, get rid of the evil? Man, if you can't patiently endure evil, you're not going to have very many relationships because we are evil. Like, we have evil in our hearts. We do a lot of evil things. You do, they do. And so if we can't patiently endure evil, we won't be able to patiently endure people because people do evil things. We act evil ways. And so he's challenging you. He's like, listen, there's a place to lean in and not fight about things that don't matter. But you need to be able to patiently endure the evil. Again, this may mean you choosing between being right and being in the relationship. And you've spent so much time waving this flag, you're wrong, you're wrong, and thinking, well, once they agree with me, once they're on the same page with me, then we can be in the relationship. You know what? That day's maybe not coming. And so you're going to have to decide, should I be in the relationship with this person? 
And we're going to talk next week about this because I think there is a time to, to, to go, okay, I'm going to put some walls up and some boundaries up. And so that's, this is an important thing to learn is like there's a point when somebody is toxic and unhealthy that, that you should not be in a relationship with this person. And so we need to know how to do that, when to do that. And so that's, that's next week. But there is a, a lot of time, I think, it's just us leaning in and going, can I just be in a relationship with somebody I disagree with? Do they have to actually say the things I want them to say for us to have a relationship? Jesus didn't do that. And maybe you're thinking, well, Brian, doesn't that look like I approve of their behavior? Like, won't my, won't my acceptance be read as approval? Maybe. It might be. It might be. In, in Jesus' life, certainly people thought that. They're like, Jesus, do you approve of the lifestyle of these sinners that you're spending all this time with? Certainly not. But he accepted them. Spent time with them. Mentored them. Loved them. And he saw a better future for them. That, that takes some work, doesn't it? This is a lot easier said than done. So we need good tension in our lives. We need to know that we're the right people fighting the right battles the right way. Super important. The other thing I would, I would challenge you to is this, is that wherever the tension is, like whatever you're fighting against in this relationship, whatever it may be, I would say that everything that we fight against reveals something that we should be fighting for. I think Christians are kind of notorious for fighting against things, for voting against things, but not fighting for things. It's a lot easier to vote for change than it is to live for change, right? It's a lot easier to, to vote that things would be different than it is to actually live that things would be different. It's a lot easier to criticize somebody in your life than it is actually, actually to fight for something. And so whatever it may be in this relationship, make sure as you're fighting against a behavior or something that was done, whatever it may be that you're fighting for the relationship. And that's a, that's a, it may seem like a small shift, but it means everything to the way that you approach them. Because if you're fighting against a behavior but fighting for the relationship, what you might end up having to do is humble yourself and just forgive them. You may have to just move on. It may just be one of those things that doesn't really matter. Or what you're going to have to do is lean in and have the good fight a lot. It may be something that you become an advocate for this person because you know what they're doing is hurting them or hurting you. So you're like, man, I don't want to do this, but because I'm fighting for the relationship and fighting for them and for their freedom, I'm going to, I'm going to lean in and I'm going to be an advocate and I'm going to, with gentleness, approach this behavior that's hurting them right now. So key to all this. So how do we have a clean fight? How do we know when to engage and how to engage? A few questions for you to write down. I'm just going to run through these really quick. I want you, before you engage, to ask this. Uh, the first one is, is this a place in time? Is this the place and the time to do this? <laughs> this is really important. Like, you know what, you've got this issue with your husband or with your wife and you're just getting ready to go to like Thanksgiving dinner, maybe as you're getting out of the car, walking in to the house is not the best place to deal with your problem, right? Or maybe like tonight at 11.59 p.m. as you are laying in bed, you know, like, and you're like, hey, I got a problem with you. Like that's not the right time maybe to deal with it. You're gonna set yourself up to be frustrated. Maybe they're at work and they're in the middle of something and it's a crazy day and you call them up and you're like, hey, we got a problem. I want to deal with this issue. You're setting yourself and them up to fail, right? Because there's a lot going on. Maybe there's something happening in their life right now and there's some frustration or depression or health issues and you've got this thing that you're, you're, you're frustrated about, but it's kind of like the, the smallest thing in the world compared to what they're going through right now. And you have to ask yourself, is this the time to deal with this? Is this the place to deal with this? So we, we want to set ourselves and other people up 
to win in these battles, in these fights. And by winning, I don't mean you getting your way. By winning, I mean you having a clean fight. By you leaning in and doing it, doing it this way. So second question is this, is it intentional? Is the thing that's bothering me intentional? Are they just doing it on purpose? You guys, this will revolutionize your relationships when you start to give people the benefit of the doubt. When you start to go, listen, I'm just going to assume that this is what that person meant by that. I'm just going to assume that they didn't text me back because they're doing something or because they got lost or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm going to assume the best. I'm going to assume that they said this or did that without intentions of destroying my life or my day, whatever it is. I'm going to assume the best. I know, like, he hasn't paid me back that $300 that he owes me, but I'm going to assume the best. It's so hard. Is it intentional? Or are they just not sure how to fix whatever's going on? Really key. Number three is this. How is this on me? Really important question to ask. Here's one thing that I've learned. It's that there's almost always something that I can apologize for. And it may be small in my mind. It may be just the smallest little thing. But I can always find something that I can apologize for. And if you roll in to a conversation where you need to have a healthy conflict, a healthy battle, and you start off with what you can apologize for, it is going to set the tone for the rest of the conversation. I mean, you know that feeling, right, where you know that this is going to be an awkward over the apple pie conversation, and you're, you're not looking forward to it, and then that person, they show up, and you're just, you got your guard up, you're ready to fight it out, and they're like, hey, listen, I haven't done a good job of, uh, of talking to you about this. I've had some issues in my heart. I want to apologize uh, for, for first taking too long to come to you. I want to apologize for this or that. And all of it, like, you're almost more ready then to apologize for what you've done wrong. It sets the tone. If you can do that without any expectation of them, walk in, apologizing for what you can, it's going to help you to win. Number four, this question is so key. What is the deeper issue? What's the deeper issue? One thing I have learned too is that a lot of times arguments are not about the argument. It's other things. It's that thing that happened years ago. You may be having this conflict with a coworker or a business partner, but there's something brewing beneath the surface that you've been doing or they've been experiencing that is causing the conflict, and it's not what's at the surface. We need to have eyes to see beyond what people are frustrated about, beyond what you're frustrated about, and try to figure out like what is this really about. So be good at asking that question of yourself. Be good at asking that question of the other person. What is this really about? especially when you find yourself in foolish, ignorant controversies, as we've read in, in Timothy. And the last question is this as I close, and I've spent all this time laying out a foundation for like how to know when to engage, how to know when to have a, a fight, to have a battle, how to like lean in and, and try, to, try to work it out with this person. But the last question I want you to ask yourself is, can I absorb this? Can I absorb this? Let me define that a little bit. Some people stuff their problems. Some of you hate conflict so much that you have a running tally of everything everyone in your life has done wrong for the past 20 years. And you got a memory that can bring it up. Like, you know it all. And so instead of dealing with the conflict, you just keep a running tally. Yep. Marked that off. Put that back in my pocket. I'll add some more to it tomorrow. And we wonder why we have so many broken relationships. We wonder why we don't want to spend time with that person anymore. 
And so when you've gotten done going, should I engage? Should I deal with this problem? Should I, should I lean in and have a good fight with this person? I want you to then ask yourself the, the question, is this something I can absorb? And by absorb, I don't mean suppress. By absorb, I mean forgive. Like, I'm just going to soak this one up. I'm just going to soak it up and receive this. And this is so hard to do because we want people on our side. We want people to agree with us. I mean, you, you may have been deeply wounded by a family member. Somebody may have, you know, taken a lot of money away from you at some point. Somebody may have said a lot of things that are super hurtful to you. And you've been carrying this around for years. I was reading this week in uh, the book of Luke talking about Jesus' crucifixion. And right before the crucifixion, he's in what's called the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is on his knees. And he's... he's weeping and crying and screaming out to his father because he's about to be crucified. And there's so much stress and so much fear that that he's literally sweating blood, which I don't know how afraid or stressed you've ever been, but I've never sweat blood. And so he's, he's on his knees crying out to the father, and he says this in verse 42, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus, God himself in the flesh, is here on earth, and he's getting ready to go to the cross. And I've always read this and been like, man, Jesus is asking God to take away the crucifixion. Like, he's so afraid. He doesn't want to go to the cross. He doesn't want to be crucified for the sins of the world. But then I realized that's what it's about. It's not about the crucifixion. It's about the sins of the world. When Jesus says, hey, would you take this cup from me? The cup in in Isaiah is is speaking about God's wrath. The cup isn't crucifixion. Certainly crucifixion was scary. I'm sure he's a man. He's he's afraid of going to the cross. He knows the pain that's going to come. But for Jesus, this was about the wrath of God that was meant for you and me being poured out on him. You see, I don't know what you think saves you. But you need to know this, that the crucifixion didn't save you. A a lot of people have been crucified. People have been martyred for their faith. Some people have have gone to the cross singing songs joyfully in history. Jesus goes to the cross. He wasn't just any man. He was God himself, the perfect man, the perfect sacrifice. He goes to the cross, and the wrath of God, the cup, was poured out on him. He was able to drink the wrath of God, to take it upon himself. See, Jesus took our sins. That's why we're saved. Because the sins of all of us were poured out on him. And so I want you to think today, who is it that has wounded you? Who is it that said something or done something and it's it's been a broken relationship? I want want to ask you this question. Can you drink the cup? Jesus drank it for you. Can you drink it for them? And I don't mean to suppress it. I mean to literally forgive it and let it go and it's gone, just like God forgives our sins. What is it that you need to drink today? Maybe it's been wounds that you've had for years. Maybe it's the person sitting next to you and they don't even know how badly they've hurt you. If it's not something you need to fight for, it's something that you need to let go because you're carrying this around and it's not helping anyone. And so what is the cup that you need to drink today? I want to tell you that there are some relationships in this life that are worth the fight. Let's pray together. Jesus, would you help us to be acutely aware 
of what you did for us on the cross that day. Ah, the pain must have been excruciating, but Jesus, I can't imagine the the sins and the wrongdoing of the world being poured out on you and the wrath of God being poured out on you. And God, I just know that today in my heart as, as it comes to forgiveness, sometimes forgiveness feels a lot like crucifixion. Sometimes it feels like there's something dying inside of us when we're just letting something go. But God, would you give us the strength that you gave your son to forgive? No strings attached, God. Would you help us to let it go? And that someone's sins would be as far as the east is from the west, just as our sins are that far from you today. Jesus, we can't do it alone. Uh, We need your help. We need your conviction. God, I pray that there'd be some healed relationships this week. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.